So 2 Peter, beginning at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. So, we've read so far the first seven verses of Second Peter, and just looking back for just a minute or two, Peter has told us um, so far about our precious faith. He's urged our faith to be a growing faith. And now in these verses, what we're going to focus on is how he calls us to have a balanced faith. So in verses 1 through 4, he held up our precious faith like, like a glistening diamond, and, and he, he talked about it and showed us that faith um, from six different angles. And then we talked about a growing faith. Once we receive the faith that God gives us, Peter writes in verse 5, we must add to it. And even more than that, he says, make every effort to add to your faith. We don't sit still. Elsewhere in the Bible, uh, it talks about working out our faith. And it's always God's work first. That's the true biblical faith. That's Christianity. And then we want to gratefully respond. And growing in the faith um, is part of our thanks to God for giving us faith. So that's what Peter is urging each one of us when he says, make every effort to add to our faith. Could you go back a slide, please? Um, so how we grow and what we add exactly is the focus tonight. Um, a famous pastor, uh, maybe you've heard the name Martin Lloyd-Jones, writes that, that Peter chose this list very carefully. And we might guess that. This is God's word. Every word is here purposefully and for a reason because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. These words, Lloyd-Jones says, um, cover the whole Christian life and they give balance. There's a balance to the Christian life that these carefully selected words give us. Um, so, Thinking of, of balance, um, diet crazes, as you know, never seem to end. Every, every few years, it's something else. Um, I traced a little bit the history of, of, of diets and, and specific diets. I left out a whole lot of them. So if you think this list is long, well, there are a lot more than this. Uh, one of the first ones that I came across was... Uh, about, from about 1820, Lord Byron. You know Lord Byron? I was an English major, so I had to read Lord Byron. A lot of poetry, right? I see at least one nodding head. Um, he popularized, the, which you don't probably know from his poetry, but he popularized the vinegar and water diet, mixing water with apple cider vinegar. I'm guessing there was more to it than that, but that was a key part of that diet. 1925, Lucky Strike Cigarettes launched a campaign, a diet campaign. Reach for a lucky instead of a sweet. 
Some people, I was talking about this a little bit uh, with my family, and they had heard of this one, which maybe you have too. I've never heard of this one. In the 1930s, uh, the grapefruit diet, a.k.a. the Hollywood diet. I see, have you heard of this? Um, A low-cal diet, which included eating a grapefruit at every meal. This next one is kind of crazy, but a real thing. Uh, There was, in the mid-1950s, a tapeworm diet, believe it or not. You took a a parasite-packed pill, and people lost a lot of weight. Weight Watchers, I think, continues to today. It started in 1963. It was founded by Jean Nidetch, and she she was a self, she called herself an overweight housewife obsessed with cookies. And so she started Weight Watchers back in 1963. Slim Fast started in 1977, shake for breakfast, shake for lunch, and then a sensible dinner. In the late 1980s, Oprah famously lost, I think it was 67 pounds, on a liquid diet. In 1992, the Dr. Atkins New Diet Revolution introduced a high-protein, low-carb diet. And then in 2003, the South Beach Diet Um, was introduced as kind of a a little bit milder version of the Atkins diet. And more recently, uh, we talk about the Mediterranean diet, right? There's weight loss surgery, the keto diet, the paleo diet, Whole30, intermittent fasting. Have you heard of that one? And I just learned this week that there's an essential oil for weight loss. So essential oils cover everything. Of course, there's also the person who is trying a new diet, which sounds pretty good to me. You eat anything and everything you, you want and then pray for a miracle. <laughs> Maybe you've also heard of the garlic diet. Uh, you don't lose much weight, but, but from a distance, friends think you look thinner. They're at a distance because you're just reeking of garlic. Research says that the weight loss market is worth like $66 billion dollars. 66 billion. But the fact is, healthcare professionals seem to agree that the best diet for healthy living and for keeping weight off is simply to have a balanced diet, to eat a variety of foods and drinks in moderation. As even thinking of that list, there can be significant health risks with radical diets. And many people on very special diets uh, gain the weight right back uh, when they get off of those diets. Consistent balance is what, in what you eat is what is really needed, the experts tell us. And I've even asked post-cancer, I've talked to my various doctors, what, you know, as having had cancer going forward, and they're very much on the same page. Balance, moderation regular exercise. So what this group of words is telling us is balance is also the key to healthy Christian living. And and Peter's list, inspired by the Spirit, gives us that balance. Um, And there are three different categories to what Peter invites us to. And the the first two words uh, tell us about the character of our faith, goodness and knowledge. Goodness can mean virtue, 
excellence. And, and this word is really about an energy or a power in terms of our morality. Our morality is how we act, what we do, how we live. It refers to having a vigorous and energetic faith, a faith that is acting. Goodness calls us to make sure our faith is acting, that it's alive. The little letter of James talks about a faith that is dead, which isn't a real faith at all. It's a false faith. Um, And then he says, a real faith, a true faith, is alive and it's working. And, and, And that's a piece of the character of our faith, that we aren't spiritual couch potatoes, but we're active and we're busy as Christians. The other piece of the character of our faith here is knowledge, insight, understanding. And so our faith isn't supposed to be full of energy without control. But we're called to a controlled energy, if you want to call it that, or an informed energy. Our faith involves knowledge, a knowledge centered around knowing Jesus through his word, and that's the kind of faith that we aim for here at Faith CRC. Number one in our mission statement is that people experience God's word. So thinking about this character of faith um, and thinking about who wrote this, Peter, we can see this pretty clearly if we think about the life of the disciple Peter. We know from the Gospels he was an impulsive guy, right? He rushed out to try to walk on the water with Jesus. He cut off the ear of that servant in the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is like, whoa, no. And then he immediately lied when he was asked if he was one of Jesus' friends as Jesus was betrayed and and arrested and going to the cross. Peter followed his gut, is our impression, but also the clear impression is his gut wasn't always right. Peter was an example of uncontrolled energy, like a tornado. He did things he really regretted later, but he learned. He grew. We knew that. We know that because he became a great leader in the church. We know that from these epistles. So then he passed on to others what we have here. You need to have uh, an active and energetic and excited and a working faith But you need to do that with knowledge, with intelligent understanding. And this also makes me think of a basketball player. On the basketball court, you need a lot of energy. Got to be really active. Um, But if it's not a focused energy, if it's not a smart energy, you're going to foul right out of the game. Or you're going to turn the ball over a lot. The best athletes no matter what the sport, have energy. They have action with focus, and it's informed. There's a knowledge there. We talk about smart players in all sports, right? And we need that too as believers. The next two words tell us about our character, and especially our inner life, self-control and perseverance. One pastor has said, and I think this is really helpful, self-control is about dealing with the pleasures of life. Perseverance or patience 
is about how we deal with the problems of life. Pleasures of life, problems of life. We need self-control against passions, lust, impulses to do wrong. Paul talks about us having the discipline of an athlete to win the prize in Philippians. And I've been needing uh, some discipline as far as my exercise in life goes. And the last several months, I've been on a really good routine. And that feels good. And now I need to keep that discipline up. And we need discipline in our Christian life in the areas that tempt us. Uh, Whether we have a, a temptation to go astray in our thought life, Speaking of diets, whether our temptation is to eat or drink too much, whether we very easily give in to anger or whatever it is, it takes work, but it's well worth it, and God will bless our efforts as we seek the Spirit's help in that self-control. We have to also learn to deal with the problems of life, because if we don't do that, we're in trouble. Life has a lot of problems. Perseverance or patience tells us to endure and to stay strong with God's help even when we're in the midst of very difficult circumstances. It's interesting that often the person who is someone who gives in very easily to the pleasures of life, that same person probably hasn't had or learned the discipline to handle the problems of life either. Um, And so when problems hit, they're just completely confounded. They're at a loss. Um, Discipline, in general, will help both of those areas. The last three words are about our outward life. In other words, our relationships. The first word is godliness. And so thinking about relationships, right, our number one relationship needs to be with the Lord. That relationship has to be right and first in our lives, and that's why I believe Peter has it first of the three. Even working on this self-control and perseverance in our lives, we've got to remember why, why we might want to be disciplined in those things. Well, well why? Well, ultimately it's for the glory of God. I think there are plenty of people that are disciplined, maybe inwardly an iron man, but if someone is that way, but it's not God directed for him, well, what is it then? It's just a it's just a selfishness. It's a pride. It's it's so you look good in front of your family or coworkers or whatever. It's for praise from people. But our chief goal as men and women and boys and girls in all our living is the glory of our God. With that relationship first, uh, there are two other important relationships. Brotherly kindness, Philadelphia, right? That's the Greek word you probably learned in school. Philadelphia means the, the city of brotherly love. Um, so those, that's about other Christians, right? We love our brothers and sisters here at faith. Sometimes it's hard to do that. Sometimes it's hard to like everybody. We're all different personalities, but we're called 
to love everybody. We love our brothers and sisters here at Faith. We love fellow Christians everywhere. And if we miss out on that brotherly kindness at Philadelphia, boy, a church will run into trouble real quickly because that, that's very crucial for a church family. Those who love the Father, you know what? They love everybody in his family, don't we? And then finally, there's simply love. And, and this is love in a really big, broad sense, agape love. We're called to love one another as Christians, but if we stopped there, we've, we've dropped the ball. We're called to love all people as believers. We're called to love those yet outside the church. We're called to love people in their needs. We're called to love people enough to in, invite them to meet Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, and, and even to be part of his family here at Faith Church. And so God's word invites us tonight to this balanced spiritual diet. And uh, it, it's not going to be different a hundred years from now. It's never going to be outdated like, thank goodness, the, um, what was it, the tapeworm diet? Science and research aren't going to be making any tweaks to this diet. It's from God himself. It's perfect. And it's just perfect for you. It's just perfect for me. It will provide the spiritual health that we need. It's a diet that keeps in balance the character of true faith, that it's working and active, but it's also controlled and informed. And it ensures that we're taking care of our inner life and our relationship with others. And you know what? By God's grace and with his help, we have the capability for this kind of steady life rather than an, an unsteady, an unstable spiritual life. And by unstable, an unstable spiritual life, I mean a faith that, say, is all about action but doesn't care much for the knowledge of the faith, and there's no depth there. Or I think of a faith that's all about others, but misses that inner renewal. Or one that prioritizes uh, a relationship with God to the extent that it's all about that, and, 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 and it's frankly a little unkind and cranky and mean to those around us rather than a, a, a brotherly love in the church and beyond. But the source of this perfect, precious faith is perfect, this, this faith that we receive. It, it, we, don't, we didn't create this faith. We receive it. It's from God. And the source of this faith like the faith itself, is perfect. It's God's love in the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. And God provides us not only with the perfect faith, but the perfect tools by which we can build this faith and keep this spiritual diet. God's word, his spirit, prayer, the church, interacting with one another in worship, beyond worship. And, and, and so 
you and I, I want to encourage you tonight. We have the capability for this steady, balanced Christian life in Jesus with his spirit. Okay? Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word and, and for all that we've been learning about our faith, its preciousness, that oh, once we receive it, oh, we're called to grow in the faith. Oh God, we need your help for that. And we thank you, oh Lord, for this, this picture of, of a balanced faith where uh, we're active in faith, we care about growing in the knowledge of the faith, uh, we love others, we love everybody, we love you first, oh God, and uh, we care about how we handle the pleasures of life with self-control and that we can have a, a perseverance uh, even in the problems of life. Oh God, may each one of us have a balanced faith. May this church exemplify and show uh, the balance of the people here as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, as we work on our inner lives, oh God, as we love those around us in the church, outside the church, everywhere with a real activity and energy informed and built on on your word and inspired by your Holy Spirit. Bless each one here tonight. Bless our, our families if, if we have a family and uh, all ages this week as we live the faith that we've received. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.